Today's Bible reading comes from Mark chapter 1, verse, chapter 11, verses 1 to 19. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside the street and tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in a leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them, and he taught them, he said, Is it not written... My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. This is the word of God. Before we start, just a change, slight change. My handwriting is terrible, but uh, the second outline, the king's return to Jerusalem, put a posture between the king, the uh, G and the S, because it makes a big difference. So it's the king's singular return to Jerusalem. Okay. Well, let me pray, and then uh, we'll have a look at God's word together. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Thank you that through your word you do challenge us and also warn us. Father, as we look at your word together, pray that you, you will continue to do that for us and that we can trust, trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, Catholic Youth Day is quite an extraordinary event. I'm not sure whether they actually reached up to Port Macquarie, but it was just a huge thing in Sydney. But it was fascinating to see the reaction of people to the Pope. I guess uh, your reaction to the Pope would depend on what you think of him. There were many that thought the Pope was a bit like a rock star. They were lined up in the street. I'm sure they were actually fainting when the Pope was going by. There were some that thought he was going to bring back uh, a spiritual renewal for the Catholic Church. And there were many probably very indifferent to the Pope. In fact, the Pope was a bit of a nuisance. The uh, road closures and just too many people and pilgrims around. Others saw it as as an opportunity for business. The pilgrims would come and spend their money in Sydney. Now, in Protestant circles, of which the Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church is part of, we, pre- we didn't really get tremendously excited about the Pope's visit, I must admit. But we do get tremendously excited about Jesus. And reading passages like this should challenge us in how we respond to Jesus. Now, Mark is a master storyteller. 
in the book of Mark, in the early chapters or the first eight chapters of the book, Mark builds up Jesus' identity through the miracles. We see Jesus performing all these miracles to the extent where in Peter's confession, when, when Jesus asked, uh, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. Incredible, isn't it? Jesus is the very one God, God sent to save his people. Jesus is the one who God says in Mark chapter 9, verse 7, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him, because he brings salvation to those who believe in him. And it's meant to evoke a reaction from us. And the more Jesus' identity and purpose is established, the more we should be challenged to respond to him. Now this part of Mark is no different. Jesus' identity is continually being confirmed and being brought to the forward. And we will find it harder and harder to sit on the fence. Our response to Jesus, who he is, what he has done, is crucial. Ultimately, there are only two responses to Jesus. Accept who Jesus is and then live your lives accordingly or continue to reject him and wear the wrath of God. In the movie Gods and Generals about the American Civil War, uh, uh, and, and a young officer asked General Stonewall Jackson uh, what makes him so calm. And I, I can't do an American Southern accent. I'm sure some of our team members can probably do that. But this is what he asked. General, how is it you can keep so serene with a storm of shells and bullets rearing above, about your head? Well, the general, re- general replied, My religious beliefs teaches me to feel as safe in battle as in bed. God has fixed a time for my death. I do not concern myself with that, but to be always ready whenever it may overtake me. That is the way all men should live. Then all men will be equally brave. Whether Stonewall Jackson actually said those words, uh, or it's good script writing, doesn't matter. These words ring very true. Mark wants us, when we're reading the Gospel of Mark, uh, when reading about the story of Jesus, to be able to put our confidence in Jesus and to trust him, to be able to commit and surrender our lives to him. And this part part of Mark is exactly the same. Mark wants us, as we read this part, to have the confidence to put our trust in Jesus. And that is Jesus' desire as well. He wants us to be able to put our trust in him, whether we're safe in bed or whether we're in the midst of battle. Now, for some of you, you've already done so, and you've been doing it for years and years. Let me encourage you to persevere, to continue to allow God's word to transform you, and and also this part of Mark's gospel. Others may find it a little bit difficult, or you may be a little bit hesitant to put your faith and trust in Jesus, or maybe complete faith and trust in Jesus. Well, let this part of Mark's gospel challenge you that Jesus deserves your trust. Well, firstly, is Jesus someone we can put our trust in or our faith in? Now, this is a rather strange story of Jesus entering Jerusalem, the king's return to Jerusalem. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. This was not a series of random events, but a very much an intentional uh, thing done by Jesus. Let's look at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter, you will find a colt 
tied there, which no one's ever written. Uh, written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. Now Mark takes time to explain this story. In fact, he doubles up on these stories as further evidence when then in verses 4 to 7, it describes this event actually, uh, actually happening. Jesus will return to Jerusalem on a donkey. Now what makes this story so significant? Well, we need to go back to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah was written some 500 years before Jesus was born. But listen to what he says in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And you can turn to page 672 of your pew Bibles. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Page 672. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Does this sound familiar? The king coming, the king coming having salvation, riding on a donkey, a very young donkey. A prophecy made 500 years before Jesus was born about a coming king, oddly riding a donkey. Then we continue in Zechariah in verse 10. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle uh, bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This kingdom will extend from one end of the kingdom, one end of the earth, to the other end of the earth. Wars will cease. Warring nations will be silenced. Peace will be proclaimed. Now, the language Zechariah uses seems to, to encompass this holistic uh, rule this holistic kingdom that goes from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And if you think of the great uh, empires in the past, like Alexander the Great, for example, even Elizabeth I, none of their empires extended from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. So Zechariah is talking about this, this big kingdom, this great Messiah that will come, that will unite the whole world. So Zechariah is referring to a coming king who will reign forever because this king will break the, uh, the, the, the strength of these warring nations. And no doubt God's people have been looking for this king, looking for this king to come. Zechariah describes this king as coming, riding on a donkey, verse uh, 7 of Mark chapter 11. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Now Jesus rode in to Jerusalem sitting on a donkey, just as the prophet Zechariah had prophesied some 500 years before. The method of Jesus' return to Jerusalem is significant. Now, so far we've seen in the book of Mark, Jesus walking everywhere. He walked there, he walked there, and we don't really see him riding any time. But here, Jesus is intentional. He wants people, he wants to ride this donkey into Jerusalem. He wanted people to see him. He wanted to make a statement. He wanted people to remember the scriptures, to remember the prophecy of Zechariah, when Zechariah said that a king, an eternal king, will come riding a donkey, the very king who will rule the entire earth. And surely the people would have known the prophecy. They would have read it many times. They would have encouraged their children by reading it to their children, especially since they were under Roman rule and they were really looking for someone to come and save them. And they were looking for this king, looking for this king to come and save them. Now Jesus, riding on a donkey, wanted the people to know that he is this king. 
Jesus entering the Jerusalem, was, there was the sound very loudly that the king was returning or coming to the holy city. Now, when we visit the retirement villages and the nursing homes, I want to share a marriage of hope and encouragement. So I was talking about um, uh, some of the great miracles Jesus did, and I want to share that with you as well. You will know these. Jesus healing the sick. Jesus healing the blind, the lame, the lepers. Jesus bringing a girl back to life and even driving out evil spirits and demons. Can you imagine that? Even the demons were under the authority of Jesus. Now, when we were driving uh, uh, up to Port Macquarie on the way here, we hit a, uh, I hit an electrical storm. I actually saw lightning right in front of me, and the, and the rain was hitting my windscreen. Visibility was almost zero. Well, as we saw in the children's talk, Jesus hit a storm as well, and all he said was, quiet, be still, and it all went calm. Jesus did not have to fake his entry into Jerusalem to show that he's the king of kings. He's proven that time and time again in the miracles, beyond doubt, that he is the son of God. But he did want people to take notice of his entry into Jerusalem. He wants people to respond to that entry. It was a pronouncement that the Messiah, the greatest king ever, is coming into the city and he wanted people to respond to it. Now, how would the people respond? See, we have the whole realm of scriptures in front of us, all doing exactly the same thing, pronouncing that Jesus is the king, pronouncing that Jesus is our Lord and, and, and the coming of Jesus. And it's a challenging thing for us. No one uh, of a certain age can ever claim in Australia they have not heard the claims of Jesus, that Jesus claimed to be the saviour, the son of God, and these claims are so pronounced everywhere. Many of you embrace that message and live that life and allow Jesus to transform you. Let me again encourage you to persevere, to continue seeking Jesus and continue sharing that message with other people and allowing Jesus to transform you. For others, it may well make you squirm. It can make you want to hide because you may know yourself that you have not fully committed to Jesus or you're holding back parts of your life and Jesus demanding your whole life. You may well be sitting uncomfortably listening to this message. I want you to feel the heat of Jesus' message. Some of you may have, may have so many burdens or so worried about this world that may be strangling the life out of you or the Christian life out of you. Now you're worried about the mortgage, you're worried about these economic times, uh, you're worried about uh, where your kids are going to go to school and all, those, all these sorts of things and it's strangling you. Now a friend of mine or someone I know said to me that he'll go to church once he's finished his renovations. He's still been doing that for 10 years. And I want you to encourage you, to challenge you to look at your priorities in life. And sadly, there are many who just dismiss Jesus' message and totally reject him. And that is a sad thing indeed. We cannot read the Gospels, the good news about Jesus, without being challenged. Jesus demands a response from us. The second part of the outline, they shouted Hosanna. One response to Jesus, um, claimed to be the Son of God, they shouted Hosanna, which means save us. They shouted, save us, verse, verse 8 onwards. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches. 
they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The crowds formed outside of Jerusalem, watching Jesus entered, cried out, save us. They may, know, they may well have known of Jesus' miracles, have seen it themselves and then followed Jesus. They may well have remembered Zechariah's prophecy that, it, uh, that Jesus and see Jesus as the fulfilment of that king. They believed the claims of Jesus, that he was the returning king. They looked to Jesus to save them. They had high expectations of Jesus. They knew, or they may have known, that Jesus was the very descendant of kings. Now the prophet Nathan spoke to King David about a thousand years before Jesus was born that someone from his line will be established a kingdom forever. And that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. I believe that's page 219 on, on your pew Bibles. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up, from, uh, raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house, from, house for, my, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. All these Old Testament prophecies written, 100, uh, written 500 or 1,000 years before Jesus was born was proclaiming a king, a king that will come to establish an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that will reach from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. Hosanna in the highest. Great praise to God, for this king will bring salvation to people. Friends, the Bible is very clear in his teachings. Jesus is the one that God has sent to bring salvation to those who believe. But he will not do it in a military battle. He won't do it with political manoeuvring or even with diplomacy. He will do so on the cross. The cross marked the moment when all our sins, all those things that represent our rebellion against God, the very things that separate us from God, will be nailed to that cross. And when Jesus died, he took that with him. Then Jesus rose from the grave. So all those who believe in him will also rise with him and gain life and gain eternal life. Live forever, always to be with God. And with our sins taken away, now the cross, we are free to return to God. Death being conquered, we live forever. Live forever in this massive kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus is bringing, the eternal kingdom. Jesus has established his, his eternal kingdom through his death and resurrection. What a victory to gain eternal life simply by believing and following Jesus. Hosanna, save us. And Jesus did. Do you accept that free gift from Jesus? Many of you already have, and praise God for that. To accept this gift, you need only say sorry for rebelling against God. Ask God for forgiveness. Then ask Jesus to enter your life as your Lord. Actually, it's a very simple act. But for many people, it is very, very difficult to do. Now the final part of the outline. 
Sadly, though, not all will respond to Jesus with joy and praise. Jesus found a den of robbers in his house. Now, Jesus was very intentional about the way he wanted to enter Jerusalem. He did it in a way to draw attention. He wanted to ride in in a way that would proclaim that he is the king, the returning king, the very one the old prophets talked about. In doing so, he wanted everyone in Jerusalem to take notice. He wanted to give everyone the opportunity to respond to him as their king. Instead, this is what he found from verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. In the temple, the very house of God, instead of being a house of worship and of prayer, it became a house for robbers. This is what Israel had become. The very fact that Jesus came to Jerusalem meant nothing to them. They pursued their own interests. Nothing changed for them. They continued to do as they pleased. Jesus' return had no impact on them. And you can understand Jesus' frustration. The house of God that should have been used for worship and for prayer instead was made into a den for robbers. And one that can only feel sadness for the very ones that God really wanted to respond to Jesus' return. Ignored him, failed to do so, even failed to acknowledge him. Think of the world today. Not much has changed. We live in a world that has failed to accept Jesus, has failed to accept Jesus as their king. The scriptures are clear. Jesus is proclaimed, proclaimed that he is the Lord, our Lord and Saviour. He tells us to come follow him. But yet a lot of the world continue to do their own thing as if Jesus has no effect on them. Maybe they prefer to play golf or go fishing instead of embracing the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Maybe they're too focused on building money empires and more money, being, being uh, tempted and succumbing to temptation of wealth. Maybe they pursue their carnal uh, desires and indulgences instead of bowing down to Jesus. Some may even give Jesus lip service. No, happy to come to church for an hour, an hour and a half, may even listen to a preacher who preaches a little bit too long, but don't let Jesus touch the rest of my life. This is not the response that Jesus is looking for in us. Our lives must be impacted by Jesus. We cannot live our lives as if nothing happened, as if the cross never existed. Our priorities must reflect the cross. Our life must reflect the cross. Our attitudes must reflect the cross. Just some final words. It is sad that most of this world just doesn't get it, doesn't understand it, refuse to listen. Jesus' triumphal return to Jerusalem was for people to take notice of that, that he's proclaiming that he's returning, but it was ignored 
and her temple remained a den of robbers. We need to help the world understand. We need to start by our own lives, our witness to other people, setting our priorities according to the cross. We must reflect the joy and praise that we have Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Then we have to find ways in which we are to reach the rest of the world and the community to help them understand who Jesus is. Every day is a mission day. Every week is a mission week. Hosanna in the highest. Save us and praise God for those who have faith and are saved by Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your son Jesus. Thank you so much that through your son Jesus we are saved. And Father, pray that you give us the strength and courage uh, to be able to share that with other people. And Father, if we are yet to commit to Jesus, Father, we pray that you will challenge us to make us think about our priorities and, and what our belief structures are. And Father, and also have the courage to talk to other people. And Father, that, uh, that, that, that maybe that will then change, that, change their hearts. And Father, we again thank you for your word and your encouragement that comes from it. Amen.